Hello, this is Matt Marone, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, January 9th, 2022. Hi, I'm Bob Thomas. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin. I'm Kelly Brady, and this is the Next Level Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. Good morning, everybody. Good, Good morning. morning. And a warm welcome to Bob Thomas. Thanks good. for having me. Yeah. Good so to nice have to meet you. you. It's good to have you. So this is Simone. Y'all are just meeting for the first time? For the first time. Yeah. I've yeah. seen her here, but yeah. we've never actually met, I don't it's think. It's a pleasure. Yeah. All right. Um, so why don't we begin by, Bob, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, for those listening who maybe weren't here yesterday and haven't seen the online service, well, uh, Bob Thomas uh, gave the sermon yesterday. and um, well, Let me, I'll, I'll introduce him. Yeah, okay. Uh, Bob is the only person at Glowen Bible Church who has a biography written on it. Yes. I, I, I'm yeah. pretty sure. I mean, I don't know if anybody else... So my daughter works at Barnes & Noble in Schaumburg. She goes, his book is on the shelf. Yeah, man. So cool. We have one. And most of them remain on the shelf. <laughs> From the royalties, I think most of them are on the shelf. I'll, I'll safeguard that comment. Um, he is the only uh, GBC uh, member who has a biography with a forward signed by Ditka. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's for sure. That's, that's what, now we're, we're, we're getting specific. He cut me twice. That was the least he could do. <laughs> you know, right, right a forward. <laughs> so so Bob served um, with the Chicago Bears, I think, 75 to 84. Right. And uh, kicked field goals. Won the national championship at Notre Dame. Wow. Yep. You kicked the field goal, am I correct? Stop. Yes. Yeah, 24-23. What, what year you was that? You had a game-winning field goal? Yeah, that was 1973 Sugar Bowl. Oh 1974 gosh. national championship. The year by Lord, 1974. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <laughs> long time ago. Yeah, That's so, awesome. Uh, and then went to law school after being with the Bears? Right. During, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, 1981. Uh, Started. I went to law school. took four years. Did you know you wanted to be a, a, a judge back then? No, but I, I practiced law um, from around, well, I, I got out in 81 and practiced law and thought I was looking at both sides of the situation. In fact, that's one what some attorney told me, his mm-hmm. partner that I worked for. He said... Uh, you know, you always look at both sides. You should be a judge. And he planted the seed. Mm-hmm. And then in 1988, I was a circuit judge for six years in DuPage County. And then 1994, six years on the appellate court. And then 2000, 20 years on the Supreme Court. Wow. It's interesting in Illinois, you have to run for some of those benches. Yeah, you do. Yeah. That's not the case in every state, I no. don't think. Some, there are appointments. You know, you mm-hmm. always get the question about merit selection of judges. And my answer was always the same. I have no problem with the word merit but what about selection who's doing the selecting <laughs> and yeah, yeah. sometimes those are smoke-filled rooms you know politicians making the decisions think in illinois mm. not in illinois <laughs> illinois it is election yeah <laughs> became a judge because i wanted i didn't want anybody to boo anymore at least in front of me <laughs> so what's the name of your book uh Bob Thomas, I, I think, boy, I should really know from that. Two I have, a tale from two benches. A tale from two benches, right. I, like I, I thought back to when I ran for judge, the slogan was, uh, Bob Thomas, a new kind of upright. Who knows, <laughs> <laughs> who, knows who comes up with these things? I told, I told Kelly yesterday after the second service, I was like, I want a job where my office is called Chambers. Mm. That just sounds cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just start I saying was Matt, in I, my chambers. I'm going to my chambers. I kept thinking Harry Potter, but... <laughs> So let me get this straight. I'm just back up for a minute. You kicked the game-winning national championship field goal at Notre Dame, right? Right. And then you played for the Bears. Right. And then you were on the Supreme Court of Illinois for 20 years, and were you a ch- and you were the Chief Justice for Chief a while, Justice right? Chief Justice from okay. 05 to 08. Yeah. So let me just say what we're all f- clearly thinking here. Bob, please leave some for the rest of us. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you out there who are going to binge Cobra Kai Season 4 tonight, there's something more you can do with your life, right? <laughs> no kidding, kidding. Thanks, um, It's great to have you here. Yeah, thanks. It's great to um, be here. This I'll is a chance... Forget- uh, so I've had yeah. some time with Bob. Bob served. The reason Bob preached yesterday is not because he was a Supreme Court justice, mm-hmm. and it's not because he kicked for the Bears. The reason Bob preached yesterday is because he served as an elder in this church, mm-hmm. firstly, 
And secondly, because he has a personal passion to see the lost come to saving faith, and I want him to address that. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah. In line with the scriptures, right? What uh, yeah, yeah. what uh, elders need to have must a, be able, must to, be able teach. to teach, right? They don't have to be good teachers. Just <laughs> teach, right? <laughs> <laughs> must must be able to teach. So yeah. I was really really excited to have you up there. And you've have you preached here before? You have, right? I have. Five years ago, six yeah, years ago. Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Well, this is a, um, yeah, the podcast, of course, gives you an opportunity to go a little deeper into some of the, your points yesterday and explain yourself a little more. So let's get into some of these questions uh, directly relate to your sermon, and some of them are just questions some in general. Some of them are holdovers. Uh, people, and it's great, people have taken into just texting and questions about anything going on in the church, which is terrific, and they kind of sit there in the queue, and we'll yeah. clean them up week to week. So the first couple questions are, have been sitting in the queue for a while. All right. So here we go. First question. Reading the recent letter inviting the church family to participate in prayer and fasting, a few questions came to mind. First, what does it mean to pray for, quote, signs and wonders, end quote? What do signs and wonders look like today? Yeah, interesting. I, I was surprised to get this question, but I, I, it's a good one. Uh, so the letter that went out listed uh, five or six things that the elders will be praying for. And we have sent this type of letter out before. And a in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, the early church prayed that God would perform signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. And we know from Acts chapter 5, verse 12, that the apostles, that God answered that prayer. They did, in fact, do signs and wonders, uh, which contributed to a number of people coming to saving faith. Uh, a sign or a wonder is anything that confirms the message of the gospel. It's anything that uh, demonstrates power in the name of Jesus, power of the name of Jesus. Uh, thus, there are signs, you could say, pointing to the truth about who Christ is. A sign of wonder might be any extraordinary healing. For I'll give you an example. Peter, when he was walking through the marketplace, they would set those who were ill out in the street, his shadow, he would walk by and his shadow would fall on them and they would be healed. Now that's an extraordinary healing. You would think, I would think every healing is extraordinary, but apparently some are more extraordinary than others. And I granted that is a fairly powerful sign of gospel ministry. Uh, exorcisms would be a sign, a wonder, uh, the the overcoming of evil, the casting out of demonic presence. So it's true that the apostles were special and their ministry was uniquely powerful. In other words, there are, there are not uh, more apostles today. That was a fixed number of men. But there are also, and here's the point of that, there's also no indication in Scripture that God worked signs and wonders only through the apostles. I'll give you one example. Stephen, Acts chapter 6, verse 8, was not one of the original 12 apostles, but God worked through him powerfully. Uh, we read that in Acts 6, 8. He performed signs and wonders. So signs and wonders weren't something limited only to the apostles, uh, but they were primarily exercised by the apostles as a demonstration and, and uh, a means to establishing the church. Uh, here, More to the point, God is certainly not through saving people, is he? Mm. And there are many, many who need healing and deliverance. John Vandervelt, who's a normal uh, participant in this podcast, is in Zambia this morning with his oldest boy, Braden. Uh, they'll get back this week, and uh, he texted me over the weekend about a man he's with and um, who is has a healing and deliverance ministry there in Zambia, and just seeing the power of God, these signs, these wonders being worked in the name of Jesus. So uh, I'm not claiming wonder-working power for myself, uh, even for our church as a whole, but neither am I shying away from praying as the New Testament church prayed. Mm. And so that's my best answer there. Yeah, that's good. Well, uh, how Did do you it stand out to y'all? Did y'all read the letter? Did you? Got it right here. Yes? Mm -hmm. Change your life? <laughs> no, did, did it stand it, out to it, you it, praying it for some, sons of wonders? I, that particular point did not, but okay. I, I like the question, and um, I think you answered it, but it, maybe if you could take it one step deeper, what does that look like today? Like, were you saying, let's pray for healing of people who are sick, let's pray for our family members who are looking for yes. deliverance? I mean, yes. what... Absolutely, well, yeah. specifically and, were you hoping and, that people the, would be inspired and, by? Yes, it, it is. Let's not shy away from asking the power of the name of Jesus be seen clearly in men and women who are not believing be drawn to faith in Christ because of resurrection power. That's what I'm saying. 
and we do, we pray for healing regularly around here. Someone lay hands on me Sunday. I've had this weird neck pain thing going on. And I asked, hey, would you pray for me? I had just gotten through praying for him. I know him well. And, and I said, just pray for my neck. It's driving me nuts. So we pray for healing all the time around here. Uh, pray for people to be uh, free from demonic oppression. And so, yeah, that's what we're up to. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. All right, um, let's go to the next one. This is a, a question about prayer and fasting um, and our multi-campus vision. So second question, why was the multi-campus vision not mentioned in the letter calling for prayer and fasting? Yeah, it's, it is true. We are looking for a campus pastor and excited to expand uh, to a second campus, third campus, I'd say fourth, fifth, sixth <laughs> campus, whatever the Lord wants to do. So yes, we are in that process and received probably, I'm going to say 35, 40 resumes and vetted a couple folks that sent in their resume. Um, we're not far in the process. I'd actually say that the process is, is moving, but I wouldn't say it's moving quickly. And we've even been uh, contacted by a church that said, hey, would you consider making us a campus? And so we're vetting that as best we're able. So uh, the first prayer request listed uh, that God would add to the number of those who are being saved, I, I felt like that captured kind of our campus posture. We want to see more people following Jesus, more people get saved. And, and so I didn't, I didn't explicitly say anything, but that's about the multi-campus vision in the letter. But it's, it's, I, I just kind of cast a wider net, I, I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's fair. Um, okay, let's go to the next question. I've heard that God is spirit. What does that mean? Yeah, so again, this is just a, another question that was sitting in the queue, and um, um, interesting question. I, I'm not sure the context. I think someone probably just was reading through Scripture and, and shot this out, so or had heard from somebody. But um, Jesus himself said that God is spirit, and, he, and that his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. That's John chapter 4. So we have Jesus talking about the nature, the essence of, of the Father. To say that God's Spirit means that God the Father does not have a physical body. So you remember that um, the, the Godhead is three persons in one. And so um, the only embodied person in, in the triune Godhead is Jesus. Jesus has a body. He still has a body today. He's embodied. He, he ascended bodily. He's, he's in heaven embodied. But uh, God the Father is spirit, and then there's God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so God, God the Son's embodied, God the Father is disembodied, he's a divine being, spirit being. To be without a body simply means he's not limited physically as you and I are. Uh, you know, I'm, we're in the worship center this morning uh, recording this, we're limited. Uh, but God, because he is divine spirit being, he, his, uh, the, um, the uh, attribute of omnipresence. He, he can be everywhere at once because he's spirit being. Uh, he can be infinite. He's without limit. Yeah. And so, so let me ask a question. Yeah. Because that, that's can because that maybe really sound a little definition. Well, that may sound, that could be a little confusing. So uh, God is spirit, but then we have the Holy Spirit, which is spirit. So is there a difference between God, the Father, the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, three persons, three distinct persons, all fully God, um, and certainly there's some mystery there. Yeah, um, but that, but just because we have two spirits in the Godhead, that doesn't mean that they're they're distinct, is what I. Uh, it does mean that they're distinct. That, that, that's even, what I mean. They though, are distinct. Yes, yeah, even though absolutely. they're both both spirits. And, and right? I I think when Jesus says God is spirit, he's including himself there, but his spirit is embodied. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. We sound crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's something. It's different, right? So, well, and um, where 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 do you direct folks in Scripture to to know that that this is true? Yeah, right? yeah John chapter four, mm -hmm. uh, Jesus's own words. I I like to start. Oh, sorry. Where do you direct? Where can you direct people to see all three? Uh, persons of the Godhead. All right. How about working the baptism, together? How about the baptism of Jesus? There you go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's one, one of the yeah. scriptures that you can go to yeah. if you're wondering, like, how, where do we get this from? The, the Bible doesn't talk about the Trinity. Yeah. Like, how do we know that that's true? Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a scene uh, displayed where you see yeah. all three 
persons of the Godhead. Yeah, the work. voice of God says, this is my son. Then the yes. spirit of God descends on Christ like a dove. So we have a Trinitarian moment there. Yes, and Jesus is obviously there. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. At the baptism. Yeah. Right. All right. Deep, deep thoughts mm-hmm. from yeah. Monday morning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from Jack Handy. Uh, you guys remember that? <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, next question. Um, and this one, uh, this one's for Bob. Bob seems kind of hard on the Catholic Church. Am I reading him right? For example, critiquing Vatican II from the pulpit. Is it wise to criticize other denominations from the pulpit? Yeah, well, I did give some thought to that uh, prior to including that in my talk yesterday. The the Catholic portion of it, uh, specifically the quote from Vatican II, uh, is it's personal to me because um, I grew up Catholic um, and it's personal in this. I, I know many friends and family that are Catholic that I truly believe are going to heaven that are believers. Sure. But I think that sometimes the, the teaching is important, especially when you're talking about bringing a message to the lost and you think there might be a contrary message out there. Um, I derived that portion and thought about it. There's a Father Arsenault. You can look him up um, on online, uh, and, and he's a priest that is a consultant on ecumenical issues. And he was asked questions about salvation, and he clearly points out that at the time of the Protestant Reformation, they said that salvation came through the church, mm. and that was interpreted very literally. And then after Vatican II, uh, because of some criticism as a result of that, uh, it seems like they went the other way. And just quoting from that article, um, it says, we teach, this is, these are my words, it's Father's words, we teach that it's a possibility for everyone to enter heaven if their life conforms to the ways of the Lord, said Father Joseph. <clears throat> they may not know or acknowledge Jesus, he added, but if they have an openness to striving to live a good and godly life, then doing that, they are pleasing to the Lord. Well, that just clearly isn't the gospel. And I suppose that it was more personal to me because when Maggie and I left the Catholic Church, we did look at a catechism, and it was very difficult in reading through that catechism to decipher whether Jesus or the church was the means of salvation. Right. Um, and, but after going through that, and because of that difficulty, and because of teachings such as this, uh, we decided to leave the church. So I would imagine that some people may have looked at it as criticism of the church. Um, my goal yesterday was really to talk about why we don't preach the gospel and the necessity of it. I did. Um, I did quote the scripture that talks about the tickling of our ears. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if there are people out there believing a works gospel, which is no gospel at all. Um, I think that really is something that should be shared. I, I wasn't mentioning that the Catholic Church was the only church that um, did this. I used it as an example, and it was a personal one to me, still having friends or family in the Catholic Church that either think about that they can be saved because they're in the Catholic Church, mm. period, yeah. or can be saved because they lived a godly life. Um, I think sometimes it's important to do that. You know, Bob, just for clarity, and I love that you invited those who might not yet be trusting in Christ. You did in both services yesterday. Urge them, believe, begin believing, trust in Christ. Uh, you said, make that jump. And you talked about the thief on the cross who trusted in Christ. Um, let's just clarify the gospel while we're on the podcast here because, uh, Lord willing, we have people that are not yet trusting Christ. When you draw a distinction between works salvation, a message of works. It's, it's uh, in contrast to a, a message of salvation that is grace-based. Mm-hmm. And so Ephesians chapter 2 says very clearly, verse 8, it's by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest 
so that no one can boast. And your point, and I've heard you make this point time and time again, particularly when elders are meeting, you'll carry the, the banner of gospel clarity. It's a passion point for you that we not muddle the gospel, we not bumble it, that we're saved apart despite anything we do but solely through faith in Jesus. And I've loved that about your ministry. Right. And, and that was the example most personal to me, mm. but religious pluralism exists. Mm-hmm. Um, the more prevalent it becomes, the easier it is not to proclaim the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, the easy, and, and, and let's talk about this. Um, I mentioned this in the sermon, again, not knowing if I should or not, but you and I both talked after I led communion, mm-hmm. had the privilege of leading communion. Mm-hmm. And it was on Jesus is the way, mm-hmm. the truth, and the life. Yep. And we received comments at that time mm-hmm. that they had difficulty with the scripture. Uh-huh. Now, I, there, I can see it's a tough scripture to sit down with somebody and said, hey, there's only one way, it's through Jesus. This yeah. is, I understand that, but yeah. that is the truth. Right. It's what Jesus said. Yeah. And I think we, in the comments we received, that wasn't the issue. Mm. The issue was whether or not that was really true, mm. which again makes the point that if there are people out there, even some in our congregation, that have difficulty with the exclusivity of the gospel, mm. I just thought this was the opportunity uh, to hopefully preach mm. on it. The examples that I gave later on um, you know, I, I'm not a teacher. I mean, I'm not uh, someone like you, Kelly, that you know can uh, take a portion of scripture and and do expositive teaching or whatever. I, all the talks that I gave are based on life experiences, mm-hmm. and yesterday really wasn't any example. I gave a talk I think you mentioned maybe five years ago at this church and mentioned how I. Uh, wasn't there for the after having my best year and the Bears went to the Super Bowl and I wasn't on that team and how God worked in my life mm-hmm. during that and use that as an opportunity to to get the gospel out there. I didn't intend for yesterday to be anything different. I mean, they were three stories, as I indicated up front, were not very flattering to me. I loved that you led with stories of arguably evangelistic uh, failure. Where you went in with the wrong motives, the wrong, or you went in for the wrong reasons, and and God works despite us, which is the reality. I love that. Yeah, I, and I, I think I was most emotional in in certainly the first service, thinking about the time that I was asked to speak to four hundred or two hundred and fifty men, and was thinking all about mm-hmm. how that would translate to votes, mm-hmm. and then as a result of that. Um, even with the wrong motives and having realized and prayed about them, that there were these decisions for Christ. Yeah, praise the Lord. And I, it's just overwhelming to me the message that it really is not about us. Mm-hmm. It's about him giving us the privilege uh, to work for him as he translates his gospel into the hearts of men and women. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to bring up, I don't know, what maybe this is just a, a bit of my imagination, but it seems like there's a bit of an elephant in the room um, when it comes to talking firmly about Jesus being the only way mm. with our congregation. Do you guys sense that there is a decent percentage of folks who get uncomfortable when you talk about that? Which it seems crazy to say that out loud because that's what we believe. That's what the Bible teaches, right? Um, but do you feel like when, when that comes up, do you feel people getting a little uncomfortable Yeah, I think that it is a very, it's an increasingly difficult message, both outside the church and inside the church. Now, I think many, many people are trusting in Christ and and trusting in Christ exclusively, trusting only in Christ, believing he's the only way. But it is not the message of popular culture. It's not the message. We are saturated. We are immersed in a culture that says, you do your truth. That's your truth. Right. And we talk about having a plurality of truths, and the gospel doesn't present that as an option. Jesus doesn't present it as an option. Yeah, Someone, yeah I was going to say that in addition to that, um, there, and you keep saying that 
inclusivity. Inclusivity. Of the gospel, thank you. Um, and I know exactly what you mean, but I think sometimes there's a rub with what about the person who never hears the gospel mm-hmm. or doesn't have the chance to hear the gospel. And I, I know how I reconcile that, but I think that's where I think the culture too also wrestles with. I don't know yeah. specifically. Well, tell us church. how you reconcile that. Because well, that was the question I was getting ready to throw oh, out there next. Okay, well, I'll so do my it. best. Yeah, I mean, I feel like God can speak to us in our spirits. He can speak directly to us um, through creation. Um, if you don't have a copy of the scripture, which I know is part of the, the tension people feel, is how do people who don't have access to the scriptures even know that God exists? And I think that biblically we see God meeting people where they are um, in, in his creative, creative ways like creation. Um, I know that God can speak to people through dreams mm-hmm. and signs yeah. and wonders. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how I think of it. And I know it takes a lot of faith to believe that God can do that. And so as I grow in my own walk and sanctification with Jesus, I ask for an increase of faith so that I know where there's a where there is tension or where there is a question that I have, that if I don't have the exact answer that I want that makes me feel comfortable that God would give me the faith to trust him beyond, you know, into his sovereign sovereignty beyond mm. what my little small brain can sure. absorb. So, well, the, you know, the, um, Vatican two um, uh, quote. quote that you brought up, uh, it seems to address a, a very, um, and I don't know if this is their intent or not, but it does, it can give a, a loophole, so to speak, to the direct question. Well, what about, mm. you know, the, the three-year-old mm. on an island in the South Pacific who, who literally <laughs> never hears about Jesus, literally, and then that person, you know, passes. Mm. What about, what you mm. know, what, what's your, they're just out because that's what the Bible says. So how do you, um, a direct question like that, that, like how do you? Yeah, let me jump in there because yeah. Grant Armstrong just preached a sermon yep. where God drew pagan astronomers to the birthplace of Christ with a star. And so we, we talk about them kind of romantically as, as the Magi, and we have all types of folklore around them. And, but brass tacks here is that God is pursuing humanity. Um, and he, Simone, you brought up dreams. There are many, many people in Muslim world who don't have a copy of the scripture and don't have a church and don't have a Christian nearby, uh, yet he's reaching out to them in their dreams. So God is going to save everyone he's going to save. He's, he's actively pursuing folks. And no one who wants to be saved will be excluded from salvation. We know that based on scripture. Ask, seek, knock. Everybody who asks receives. Everybody who knocks the doors open. So it's a little bit of a, um, well, I, I want to say that we, we, we know that the gospel is exclusive. You could only be saved through Christ, through faith in Christ. We also know, though, that the gospel is uniquely inclusive. And I gave you the wrong word while ago, Simone. I, I think you were searching for the word exclusivity. The gospel is uniquely inclusive. So to go to heaven as a Muslim, you have to clear a moral bar, according to Muslim theology. To go to, to heaven as a Hindu and a Buddhist, you have to escape reincarnation through perf- perfect character. To go to heaven as a Christian, it's the door's thrown wide open. You can be completely immoral, as the four of us are. I guess we're not completely immoral. But my point is, yes, the gospel is exclusive. You can only be saved through faith in Christ. But it's also the most inclusive faith on the earth. Anybody can be saved. Moral, immoral can be saved. And nothing will um, prevent God from his doing his saving work. He'll accomplish his saving work. So to the person... Uh, and Simone brought this up a little bit, to the person stranded on a desert island all alone with no copy of the scripture and no testimony of Christ, they do have natural revelation, and Paul talks about it in Romans chapter yeah. one. We are without excuse is his conclusion. Yeah. In other words, uh, we know that we're morally culpable. And, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I have a, um, a sister-in-law with Down syndrome, um, and I, I her... 
she's you know developmentally disabled, uh, a pretty severe uh, Down syndrome, and uh, can't read, can't drive, um, and. But I deeply believe the Lord has revealed the gospel to her. He's made himself known to her. He's drawn her to the gospel of grace. And it's a beautiful thing. So God's just, he's not going to be held back. He's going to reach those whom he's saving. Here's the stumper that we're all quizzicking on. Why is hell populated? And I don't have the answer to that. But I know the character of God the char- so what I don't know, when I don't know something, I fall back on what I do know. Yep. And what I do know is he's good, yep. he's loving, he's fair, he's righteous, he's just. And so I don't know why hell is populated, but I do know that I can trust God. And I see that I can trust him in his sending his son. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think, I agree with you, Kelly. I I don't think, and and I certainly don't know, in all cases, what it looks like, right? What salvation looks like. Does everybody have to say the same prayer? You know, obviously no, right? That type of thing. To me, that's not the danger. To me, the danger is when people come up with what it looks like that is totally antagonistic to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. That's the danger. The, the danger isn't so much the aborigine and how does God get to him. I believe God can get to him. How and he does is, it, I don't is, know. Is he is getting. What, what, he is saving those that he are far is, out. He's saving those through right. dreams or whatever. So I'm not saying, oh no, this, this is the formula. This is the only formula to truly trust Christ and truly go to heaven. But I do know this. I do know that the danger comes in a works gospel. Amen. The danger comes in saying, if you're baptized into the church, you're going to heaven. There's the danger. Mm-hmm. That's a deception of the enemy mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. which those people live their lives thinking that... False hope. False mm-hmm. hope. Right. They're adding to the I, I had a guy yeah. that I played with, right? I won't tell you what his sin was. <laughs> but Well, he had more than one, but the one we were talking about... And he said, well, I think if that's the worst I do, I'm going to heaven. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the, the comparison, right? I'm maybe not as good as Mother Teresa, but I'm, I'm better than Hitler, right? right? So right. I don't know where the cutoff is. But that's the danger. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and that's, what, that's the point I was trying to get to that mm-hmm. as far as the ears being tickled, mm-hmm. hey, wouldn't, wouldn't you love to just think that you're better than Hitler and you're in heaven or that you were baptized as an infant and you're in heaven? I mean, mm-hmm. it's not the truth. Yeah. Right. You know, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, don't be surprised by this. There are so many examples in scripture per- throughout the gospels in particular where Jesus went to and saved people that shouldn't have been saved. Amen. You know what I mean? And that were excluded mm-hmm. culturally or Culturally socially. excluded that right. shouldn't have been, you know, when I say I'm air quoting, shouldn't have been by the law. He should not have been. Yeah, we're doing the Good Samaritan mm-hmm. this Sunday. Oh. Right? So. Good. Yeah. I was thinking of the Samaritan woman, so same yeah. idea. Yeah. But he demonstrates through he's pursuing. Yes. Yeah. And he, he broke the cultural barriers that we sometimes struggle with, uh, that I struggle with, in terms of um, still pursuing people that culturally we wouldn't pursue. Um, and he brings the gospel to them that it was revolutionary at that time that, that he was speaking with and ministering to and sharing the good news of, of hope in him yeah. um, to people who otherwise wouldn't have heard it. Um, yeah, those are all, I mean, those are great thoughts to, you know, a really hard question. But I also would like to, um, I, I just want to throw this out there. This is what, how, how I usually share and you guys could, you know, agree with it, disagree with it, whatever. Um, because I, I want to address that uh, for someone listening who is like, that, man, when I get asked this direct question, I kind of get tongue-tied or, or if I talk around it as we've done over the last few minutes here, that's not a sufficient answer for someone who's mm. debating me on this saying, you know, here's what I like to say um, if someone's like, well, what about the person who never gets a chance? And I honestly, I like to say, I don't believe that people will never have a chance, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, uh, going along with what you said, I, I know that God is good, and if I am ever fully in revelation of how salvation works out for every person of all time, I know 100% that I will be 100% fine with it. Mm-hmm. 
not just fine with it, but like, yes, God, in support you are, of it. In support of it. Right. In oh gosh, yeah, you're right. That is how it should be, right? Um, and and finally, I, uh, yeah, I I think. Um, I don't have a problem. Like, like the Bible doesn't give us every single uh, 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 situational, um, everything that happens in life, the Bible doesn't if speak this, to. Every, that, single every case thing. study, right. The Bible gives us enough, um, but it doesn't tell us what happens in every single case study, right? So if I, I am fine with somebody who on this side of heaven, on this side of, I should say, life, doesn't hear the name Jesus, doesn't, he, doesn't get to respond. I'm fine, even if the Bible doesn't speak to this, thinking, but they will have a chance to respond. Uh, I'm, I'm, nervous about the, uh, I'm nervous about the pastoral implications of that. So, you know, I've heard Tim Keller speak at length. He's a pastor I highly respect. Uh, you can look him up. He's easy to find uh, on YouTube addressing this very issue. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm nervous about the pastoral implications that, well, um, because it, it, it'll take, <clears throat> I don't see in scripture any, any suggestion that, well, you can make a postmortem decision. And I don't, I don't either. You're right. I, but I also don't see anything that speaks contrary to it directly. Uh, I, I, my, my response though, when the, when the conversation goes here is, but wh- why would you? Like, don't like, yeah, like, that's don't, too. don't take that chance. Like you're missing out on God now. Right. Don't miss out on the that. joy of the Lord. Right. Right. But if someone is like really pressing and saying, look, no, I'm talking about someone who literally they never, they never, and, and maybe so they're not going to understand. I would go a different direction there. And I would just say, if you're, if you're looking to give an example where God may be unjust in his condemnation, it's, yes. it's not out yeah. there. Right. There you go. It's not out there. Right. So, and I just, I praise God that we have a sufficient revelation of his character, purposes, and plans in scripture, and we can take great comfort in that. Yeah. 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 And, you know, going along with um, how I usually set it up by saying, I'm totally fine with it. Um, that for me, that leaves the space to, if there is something postmortem or not something postmortem, it's, it's, I'm fine with it. Like, I would be fine with it, not just fine, but totally in agreement with it. So, I think that kind of the I, I was thinking about the question, right? You're, you're witnessing to somebody, an unbeliever, and they ask you about the person out in Africa who hasn't heard the gospel. Well, unlike Simone, who has and legitimately thinks, okay, how would that work? The, what's the motivation for the person that you're witnessing to and saying, well, you know, what about you know, what about that Aboriginal? <laughs> right, 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 right. You know, I, 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 I'm a little bit cynical. I wonder if they really, you know, of are course. really thinking of the Aborigine, or is it a question to take you off your game a little bit mm-hmm. when you're saying, "Well, you're not the Aborigine. This is the gospel. I'm presenting you with it. You <laughs> have a choice. This day. You right. have a choice here. <laughs> yeah, but you know? they want to know that what they're putting, who they're putting their trust in, is just." I think right. that might be a yes. part of the motive and the heart behind. Can, is God good? Do I want to put my trust in someone who's going to forget about somebody else? Right. right. Like, or is this is this a Western faith mm. that excludes the mm-hmm. East or right. excludes the global South? And um, yeah, I do think the two big questions I see people wrestling with is number one, does he exist? Pin Gillette. He's, yeah, that he, was interesting. Wasn't that a powerful video? Oh yeah. 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 I I love that video. I loved it. Because That's another thing. But it was that so I thought, sad because he still doesn't believe. Well, he's not a, only doesn't believe. I, I thought twice about doing that because as you start researching and he's running a rough the videos, <laughs> I watched this one video. I said, "Oh, great! Here's the PS on this." He's talking about how he became a believer and he's a born again believer, and it was a big joke. Yeah. At the end, yeah. he swears and he he's says, a "Very wait, so he, rough wait. character." Yeah. Is he a believer? He is no, he is no, no, no. That's very... why. I, that's that's why I gave the disclaimer. I don't agree with everything, but this he got right. So, you Pin, know, just you know, full disclosure. Uh, Pinjolet is a very rough character. He he holds, um, you know, he's in, he's involved in um, the sex industry in ways that none of us would want to to. Uh, our kids to be aware of that type of thing. So it's it's a he's a very rough character, but that video is powerful. Uh, what? I mean, what's powerful about it? He didn't come to Jesus. It's powerful in that he admits love. Love is is the motivation for those who are sharing the gospel. 
he sees it as loving. Okay, but not now, loving enough to give his life to Jesus. Yes, but well, no, that that's sad. But the but he, what he's what he's saying is a lot of people don't like people proselytizing, they, and and the yourself. whole point is we should be doing it. And here's an atheist saying, if you really believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven, you better be sharing it with everybody. Right. I think he was articulate, and I'm I I, I got the point. Like, yeah. oh look, I mean, it actually penetrated somebody's heart that maybe wasn't open to the gospel. But if he's still not a believer, yeah. I'm not motivated necessarily to go, I, I, I want to follow the Spirit's leading, but now you got me all mad that you tell me he's involved in the sex industry, yeah. and we're using him as an example. I like, didn't what? even know that part. <laughs> <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love mean, the fact that we have a, he's very outspoken against faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Yet admits that proselytizing, which is the very thing he does, he's a proselytite mm-hmm. for atheism. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I thought it was helpful and, and challenging. I, you know, it's funny. I, I thought that it was loving and helpful and encouraging, but not for any of those reasons. I thought it because, um, yes, he is, he's, a, he's a hard, hard-hearted man when it comes to matters of faith, right? Yeah. Um, but in watching him talk in real time, like you can see him the wheels processing and battling with himself. Yeah. And for me, that was like, this is why you, we proselyte, not just we proselytize, but this is why we proselytize in love. This is why we share the gospel in love. Because even if this man doesn't come to faith, he is left with at least saying, this other person yeah. was a good man. Yeah. And every other person who's probably tried to share the gospel with him in a different way has probably just solidified his point more and more have had him digging his heels in more and more because you know he had what c.s lewis would call a, a pebble in his shoe after meeting that man he couldn't get but right and, and we're and that's what it means to sow seed whoever this businessman was that according to pin was not insane but was genuinely caring he that's a seed sown in his life and who knows when it'll yield a, a harvest so yeah that makes sense it's fine i'll pray for him <laughs> Hey everybody, just a quick shout out about prayer and fasting. Today is the 10th. Tomorrow, Tuesday, January 11th, we'll start three weeks, 21 days of prayer and fasting. It'll run through the end of the month. Folks, this is the best way to start your new year. Carving out dedicated time daily to praying and fasting. Please visit our website under resources. There is a huge webpage full of resources that will encourage fasting, times of prayer, whether it's a one-minute prayer life you're trying to get established or a five-minute or an hour-long prayer life. There are great resources on there. Stop by the webpage and, and let's pray and fast. Let's seek the Lord together here at the beginning of 2022. All right, let's go to our final question. And this one is, uh, yeah, I mean, it's for all of us, but, but um, asking about what Bob, uh, something that he talked about in his sermon. What in the world is Bob talking about? <laughs> Bob, what about Bob? Bob talked a lot about God speaking to him. What does that mean? How would we know it is God speaking to us? I love this question. Yeah, I, I was trying to be careful. Um, I talked about it not being what it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't lightning and An thunder voice. and this is my beloved Bob. You know, none of that <laughs> happened. Um, I, I think it's, it was, I'd best explain it as, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, whispering, you know, to my heart. I think back to the examples of uh, um, thinking that, going to Wheaton College or Wheaton College Church and thinking somehow I would have something to add and then finding myself crying with, mm-hmm. it's not something I typically say to myself, mm-hmm. right? Right. Or you don't love these people. Or you don't love those pe- these people. I, I mean, I looked at you during that. I, I pray that never happens to me again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was very, very difficult. It's um, so when I, when I look at it, uh, and again, the, the question kind of suspects, okay, could it be, you know, the enemy just planning something or was it really God? Uh, the outgrowth of what happened, you know, you look back and you say, Bob, this isn't about you, it's about me. And that's true. And it gives me a, a, a greater understanding of mm-hmm. God's grace and how he does it all. 
the you don't love these people, um, certainly that would be something that the Holy Spirit would peel a layer away and say it's one thing to talk to them about me, but have eyes that I have. So it's, it's, it's looking at it in retrospect. It's realizing that it felt very real to you. Um, it uh, came at times when you're in somewhat of a posture of prayer. Um, I'm trying to think of the... Uh, but that, that, that's basically it. I don't... And maybe that's the way, the best way that, that I could communicate, you know, that God spoke to me. Um, I know that we, a lot of us have times when we're in prayer and we're reading a scripture and meditating on a scripture and close our eyes and we think about something and um, that's somewhat profound and we feel like God opened our eyes to it. That, that's really what I was talking about. Yeah. How about you guys? What, what is it like when, when you feel like God has spoken to you? In uh, John 16, just for some textual uh, parameters. In John chapter 16, uh, Jesus is describing the ministry of the Spirit. He says he'll convict you of sin and of righteousness. And of course, when we're convicted of righteousness, it's, it's because of our trust in Christ. It's not because of our morality. That's, it's, the Spirit's going to point us toward Christ and his righteousness and, and how much solace there is in the righteousness of Christ for us who are unrighteous. And then convicting of sin as well. And when I heard you say that you're up front, I have had moments, I've never had a moment like that, but I have had moments where I'm preaching. It's, it's fairly perilous in the best sense of the word to preach. Uh, we know according to scripture that uh, teachers, preachers are judged at a higher level and appropriately so, but the Spirit's going to care for you. In the, and I, and I, so when I heard you say, that you felt like the Spirit said to you, you don't love these people, I thought, uh, I have no doubt. That's the conviction of the Spirit of God caring for you mm-hmm. as a minister. Because it's not caring to let you think you care, you love these people, when you're really there kind of out of anger or, or self-interest. Or God is good to us like that. Because when the Spirit reveals sin, then the Spirit can minister grace. And a lot of us run from the ministry of the Spirit's conviction, and we miss out on the ministry of His grace towards us. So I loved that example. Because it was so, that example of, you don't love these people, it was so disconcerting, it immediately prompted prayer, right? Mm-hmm. I love like, it. Like, Lord... Have mercy. Yeah, and, and you, you have spoken enough that you, sometimes that does happen, right? There is a Absolutely. thought and a quick prayer. And... Um, and the outgrowth of that prayer, and that's what was so amazing to me, and that, that he answered, he's so gracious that he answered the prayer momentarily. I that not only, you, you don't love him, I'm going to teach you what it looks like to love. And that girl, uh, a, you know, um, I that it. I had to share with. So, Why are you all looking at me? <laughs> oh, I thought you had something to say. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I, I'm asking God right now to speak to me, so I know what to say. Um, for me, it's when I'm alone with him the most often that I feel mm. like he's putting something on my heart, yeah. which is another christian word, I guess, phrase. Mm. Um, but when I'm in the word, and then I'm my, I think I've shared this before, but my... Um, um, routine is to spend time in the word in the mornings and then to journal from that. And a lot, that's where I feel like I'm seeing patterns in my heart, the things I'm continuing to pray for, how the scripture spoke to me, what sticks out to me. That's where I feel God speak to me, so to speak. I've had those moments where, um, not that exact, obviously, moment where I didn't feel like I loved somebody in that audible voice, but I've heard God speak to me in those moments. And I think our response then is, am I obedient to what he's saying to do, whether it's repent or ask yeah. for forgiveness or walk forward in a way? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, for me, it's a, it feels like a compulsion that I can't ignore. Mm. It's just, I can't keep on doing or going with whatever I'm doing with unless this thing happens. That's how it's, it's, um, it's been. George Mueller, um, cared for orphans, a minister, and I, I'll get, I think he lived in the 1700s, 1800s, but a, a well-known minister of the gospel described God as relentless, mm. relentless in his care of us. 
pursuit of us, working to um, to reveal sin and work righteousness in our lives. And I love that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I just read, and I shared this with the Naomi's House staff on last week when we had our day of prayer and fasting, that um, solitude is the furnace of transformation. And I've been trying to unpack that a little mm. bit. And what does that mean? And from what I'm reading from a Henry Nouwen book is that it's getting to a point where you can clear your mind and clear anything that is distracting you from hearing from God, whether it's in the word or, um, but just being in a place of solitude and let God enter into you in that, in the quietness, which is so hard for me. So hard for me. Yeah. So that's, that, a, that's a great point, Simone. I know that sometimes I go back to something Kelly sent out about 20 minutes of prayer and then there's times in there where just to listen, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult mm-hmm. to stop the noise, right? Even yeah. for two minutes or three minutes or <laughs> huh? whatever it is. And yeah. you try for, you're in, I'm into it for about a minute and all of a sudden that I'm doing the thinking again and it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think solitude, that's a good yeah. word. Mm-hmm. It seems to get uh, incrementally uh, harder to, uh, as we just progress, and I use the word progress in quotes here, uh, as a society. Mm-hmm. You know, just, just like Noise. the other day, we took a, an hour and a half drive and um, our young, our middle son was like, hey, uh, can I, you know, bring our, our video game? I'm like, no. Mm-hmm. He's like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> In a minivan that has a DVD player. He literally He's was like, like What's a DVD? what am I going to do for an hour and a half? And I'm like, mm-hmm. we're in the car. Like, you have a movie You'll system. You'll survive. I'll like, that game. But, it, it, but it, it did. It stirred these, what we're talking about right mm-hmm. now inside me. It was just like, wow, yeah, it is hard. It's and hard. It, gets, it keeps getting increasingly harder, mm-hmm. I feel like, mm-hmm. to uh, just be just be. Mm-hmm. I got off social media to a large extent, like 90% off social media. And uh, it's amazing the noise that created in my life mm-hmm. and how setting it aside. Mm-hmm. I'm just, yeah. just saying. Yeah. All right. Good podcast. Bob, thank you so much Bob, for thank joining you. us yeah, today. Thanks for this having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all the questions we have for you today. But if you have any further questions, comments, or concerns, don't hesitate. Text the Next Level Podcast at 630-474-6164. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, also general questions regarding broader topics of the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you listeners for tuning into the next level. Prophecy.